Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, digital man here at Mediacom. I'm Sue Uniman, I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Mediacom UK. And joining us in the room is Matt Mee, Global CSO. Welcome. Hello, thank you very much for having me. No worries. Let's go straight into the questions. What does a Global Chief Strategy Officer actually do? Um, <laughs> the, well, there's two. There's two. So, so, the, so the, I think they do what anybody who has a, a strategy thing in their title. So this is the practical answer. Is that they're going to spend some time working with clients and helping them. They're going to spend some time uh, uh, helping win lots of new business. And they're going to spend some time uh, working on the development of product and capability around, well, pretty much anything to do with the, our kind of craft of what we think good work looks like. Sure. So I think actually, that when you kind of broaden that out a little bit, um, it's um, there's many functions in this business that actually have other priorities, but probably the CSO's one is around kind of quality, and if you're like maintaining. Uh, as opposed to an individual client's view of what good looks like, actually having and being very strong around trying to maintain a vision of what your own thing is. And it's also kind of weird, I think, in the world of increasing specialisation, that the CSO needs to retain a kind of generalist, synthesising thing. Um, Because actually that's what they're trying to... Kind of that's their role, really, is to ensure that we don't float off into a kind of a I don't know what the what the term would be for the adjective or the collective noun for a bunch of specialisms a kind yeah. of a, a vapor of specialisms yeah. yeah um that actually you try I always look to see how things actually kind of go adhere and cohere and keep them together anyway and uh obviously one of the, the uh, key things to consider if you're thinking about consumers and getting consumers to buy more of clients products is the big balance between local behaviours and macro global trends, um, and that you know that's enough of a challenge. Even if you're just thinking about one market, how do you balance that when you're thinking about the whole world? Well, it might sound a little bit like I'm kind of doing myself out of a job, but actually, I think um, I, I, I I do think there's a real tension at the moment, and I think there's an emerging theme around actually the tension between. Um, uh, global mandates and 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 also kind of the the comfort that we have that we've got platforms which are really global like Google's global or Facebook's global and really what we actually see working so Facebook even as a platform we go well actually surely it's the same everywhere no 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 the way that people use it is entirely different and one of the things I think we're going to be talking about a lot this year is actually how there are deep deep cultural differences uh, around the world and they impact the way that we consume marketing communications and you ignore them at your peril and a lot of the things and a lot of the uh, uh, stuff that's grown up around global marketing is kind of it can often be kind of bland it can often mm. be a cookie cutter it often comes out of the sort of politics of efficiency so mm. I'm going to create one asset and spread it everywhere or some form of control mm. actually in a global uh, um, the, the impact of global often can be about being smart about actually aggregating and understanding what has worked and being able to re- reapply it mm. consciously rather than looking to see some kind of cosmic general theory of relativity and then force it onto everything because you know communications work in a market in a context in a place and a time now 
that make when you see something that's really really successful um, and particularly when you work across lots of markets there's a really long tail of markets mm. now there's some stuff which is just good practice that you can take from quite a sophisticated market and place somewhere else and can make a really big difference and I think the mistake often with um, this global macro trend stuff is it tends to try and actually it ignores that long tail mm. that could really benefit from the kind of reapplication of knowledge and kind of generalizes broadly about about uh, markets to little effect I think in those markets so and 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 I've I've heard that you you've introduced some work that looks at kind of uh, sorting the world out into different regions other than the ones that they currently sit in geographically so kind of cultural trends being yeah. you know similar in countries that can be very different yeah i know yeah so so there's a there's a there's a there's a dutch academic called geert hofstede who um i just didn't want to say that word who who would who would want to get into that um but in the uh in the 60s he he was working around kind of organizations and organizational structures and he was working with ibm and you know this is long before they kind of became the consulting business they are now but they were very interested in how in different countries you might have to set up an organization, a business, to work in a different way because people have different relationships to authority and hierarchy. Uh, they have different communication styles with each other. Mm. And you need to take those into... If you're going to open up Shell in Tunisia, you might actually have to think about the way that you structure your business uh, differently to the US. And we thought this was kind of interesting and it started to bubble up in conversations with Coke and it started to bubble these cultural dimensions, they mm. called them starts to bubble up uh, um, in you know big global businesses like that. And we thought it would be a really cool idea to actually work with that bunch of original academics, but to rerun the research again and run it on a much bigger scale globally and to look at things particularly about kind of communications. And mm. it's really, it is really, really interesting because when you look at some of those original cultural dimensions, I mean, one of the interesting ones is about, uh, about the U.S., and actually, one of the facets in the U.S. is kind of a conservatism that underlies, which is a kind of a deeper cultural thing, you know. And actually, you know, you'd speculate that's because you know the U.S. was started by a bunch of guys who were kicked out of the U.K. for being kind of too hardcore Puritan for yeah. for, for England. And actually, yeah. they went over there, and they were the kind of so. Actually, a lot of the things where you see this kind of religious, slightly fundamentalist thing, and, it, yeah. and you. You look maybe as an outsider going, oh, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, you see it as a kind of a really long, slow cultural current that underpins a, a, a society. And obviously it's interesting as well because lots of people are moving around more than before. Yeah. So the changes that are going to occur and how you uh, accommodate those is going to be really interesting, particularly in the country that we're talking about now. You know, Fantastic. So... What are the challenges that you face as a global CSO? What can't a global CSO do? <laughs> <laughs> How long have we got? Well, yeah, yeah. That's a very long list. Um, I think, uh, so, I, I'm, so in, in terms of uh, working within limitations, so actually, there's, there's, and it's really totally unfair actually, but when we were kind of doing the 2020 stuff, um, uh, and and developing kind of new product stuff. One of the kind of little questions that you'd ask yourself is: uh, Will this be useful to the guys in Peru? Uh, just because actually at the time that happened to be the newest office that had opened, sure. mm. and because 
you can end up drifting off into this highly conceptual light and space uh, bullshit. And actually what you end up doing is not really helping anybody at all. You actually end up developing a product which sounds good in a meeting with a global marketer, but actually mm. doesn't really have any kind of impact. And I think what you need to do is constantly think about that. Is this something that will uh, help promote good stuff? Mm. And sometimes that can be something really, really, you know, small. If I do that, if we if we centrally invest, or lots of people seem to need to do this, if we actually make a thing like that, would that be useful? Would it save some time? Would it mm. encourage people or guide people into a better line of... So there's, there's a little bit of nudge in there as well. And uh, what you can't do is you can't... Uh, you know it's a really big world there's lots of people in it and they've got lots of stuff to do so if you sit there thinking that actually you're the great kind of puppeteer <laughs> and people will listen to you and do stuff they won't they will absolutely fucking ignore you yeah. and get on with doing stuff that's interesting to them if however you kind of develop a service mentality and i'm going to do things that attempt to serve the needs of people then i think you get somewhere and the other thing you can do is you can just evangelize and go and try and find people who are good and nice. And that's probably, uh, uh, you know, but again, and persist. But we, it's really difficult. And what you can't do is you can't, you can't kind of, uh, you can't stomp around the globe pointing at things going, yeah. do that. Because as soon as you leave, they'll put the coffee on and forget all about the conversation. <laughs> is, is global CSO then the most political role in the building where not only have you got to... <laughs> No, there's yeah. a competition for that yeah, well, yeah. but you've got so many departments if you're about quality and everything that we're doing at the moment we, with procurement from clients and everything yes. getting tighter and tighter yes. and your role is to concentrate on quality at a global level where everyone's got different stakes I, in, in a way I wouldn't call it actually in a way I'd say it's the opposite mm. it's actually the in, in a way it's the most it's the role where you actually have to be the least cynical it's the role where you have to be the most persistently uh, idealistic in a way because actually I'm surrounded by people up to my armpits of pragmatic cynical people and if I you know although I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the degree of pragmatism and, and even the degree of cynicism but actually if you you know if you decide to take your marker point if, if you're meant to be the person who's, who's kind of helping encourage people to feel good and push themselves to do something beyond uh, uh, maybe even what their client's asking for, and you can't kind of go around going, well, you know, <laughs> shit happens, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, and I think pol politics are often, uh, you know, politics are often, they kind of happen most between people who are political. Whereas actually, you know, if you if you really kind of want to go and make people change, actually one of the most effective ways is to kind of, you know, sounds sounds really corny, but is actually to seem seem really enthusiastic about changing. Yeah. Um. So you you're one of the. I mean, you and I have worked together for a long time. Yes. Um. You're one of the least political people I've ever worked with. Least cynical, most optimistic. And in fact, one of the things that um, Nick Lawson always used to say to me, um, when you and I were working kind of all, all working in the UK. Um, with Nick, is you say because the the great thing about about Matt compared to you, Sue, is that actually everybody always wants to go into a meeting with Matt because he's 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 just such so, such fun to be with. So, mm. in, in that context, I mean, implying unlike you, obviously, in that context, um, what makes you stay that good? How do you you're now? How, how, I mean, you're travelling. How much and how how do you keep that energy? Keep that optimism? Uh, keep that positivity? Uh, 
what you mean like after so we're just coming to the end of at least my involvement in the VW pitch and as you kind of you know you've done Berlin yeah. and uh, yeah I know um I mean, How's your own miles? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm pretty good, pretty good. Um, uh, I think, well, so so it's really funny. I kind of described, I was describing somebody yesterday what it was like kind of coming back after this long period of doing all the VW stuff before they Being were on GSK. Tour. Yeah. yeah, and it's like coming back to your, I don't know, I'm not a big gardener, I've got a, I don't, I've got a tiny little yard. Mm. But I imagine if you are a big gardener, it's like kind of going away for a long time, coming back and finding that, you know, yeah. That actually what you want to do is you want to start kind of doing some gardening again and kind of dealing with your yeah. your stuff. And and part and I was thinking about this and I was thinking actually part of that is actually being around. So what what I think and I'm making a generalization to Sue here as well, but I know what what kind of makes me uh uh continue to be really interested in this is really 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 people orientated. Mm. Because uh even though there might be things that keep me interested like you know stuff that's changing technological blah, 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 blah. even those things generally i'm interested as a consequence of actually talking about them with a person the yeah. thing itself is not interesting it's always the people around you and this building has got loads and loads of really interesting people in it and actually one of the things i miss after kind of doing all of that mm. shit is to come back here and kind of be all right you know surrounded by some really, really interesting people again and actually then you kind of your your uh, batteries start to kind of recharge a little bit we we miss um, you. We miss yeah. you too. Miss you too. Uh, what skill that you don't have do you admire in someone else? Who do you admire? What skill do they have? Uh, well, back to Sue's thing. Actually, is uh, uh, you know the, uh, the I think I think that Sue's sort of uh, ability to um, go in there and basically put a marker in the ground and actually dare people to come to that. <laughs> you you want to take that one on? So the kind of that that sort of. Uh, other people actually that I work with, I really admire their kind of dogged sort of persistence. So, you know, if I'm going to, and another one of the things I think very early on in my career, this is that, you know, you concentrate on the things that you're really good at. Don't really kind of spend all of your time worrying about things that you're bad at. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good initiator. You wouldn't want me hired as a person who is meant to actually finish the project, the project yeah. you know, but I massively admire finishers. Mm. So, you know, I work with Kate Rowlinson and actually she's just, Oh, I'm kind of sitting there, an awesome, awesome person to kind of get the plane off the ground, fly it and land it again uh, uh, safely. And so, and also, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of knocked out by people who are, um, although I don't think you can be in this job and not become a bit analytical, I mm. think that's, but, but people who do have a, a, a you know, a, a natural aptitude to kind of just plough through numbers like crazy. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of ask you a question that we talked about, um, whether we should ask you or not. And, um, uh, we've decided to go for it, which yeah. is, um, uh, your career path. You, you didn't start out, Matt, as a, a, a media planner in any way, shape or form, did you? And it's, no. I think it's interesting because no. it's, it's, you know, people often ask about advice for mm. how to be, get a really good career in, in, in our business. Perhaps you could tell us about your path and then yes, give yeah, some advice. Yeah. Well, to... well, I mean, I'm a big fan of the non-vocational degree, but uh, uh, English and drama, uh, you know, it has, it doesn't naturally kind of throw out specific jobs, but I, I found, I found that, uh, uh, that, that 
that a that a that a career in in soft pornography in uh, uh, in the forefront of information technology at that time, which was a, a, a telephone information services, premium rate telephone information services. Uh, that was that was, I was perfectly equipped to do that basically, which was uh, uh, um, writing and occasionally performing. I'll leave that one in the air. Uh, um, services for a range of publications. Actually, I believe Richard Desmond is still one of our clients, and I probably did a couple of things for him then. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I. That's one of the first proper jobs that yeah. I had, which was doing that. Yeah, yeah. 0898. And uh, then services. you turned up at uh, the media business. I turned up the media business. Uh, um, and uh, yes, Steve Allen's opening uh, opening comment to me was, uh, "I hear a bit of a bit of a raver." <laughs> uh, that was the that was the <laughs> the inauspicious start to a, a career at MediaCom many many years ago. Yeah. So if you turn that into advice for people, because certainly I get a lot of questions from graduates or people near graduation, going, "I, you know." I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really worried about what my first job should be yeah. because I don't want to s- screw it up. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, and I quite often say to them, it's about the culture of the company. Yeah. It's not about a specific job. Yeah. Is that has that been your? Yeah, and I think uh, I think this kind of comes out quite a lot at the moment, and I can see why. But there's but I suppose there's a there's a difference between. Um, this sense that actually there should be this kind of straight line trajectory. Uh, in your life, or particularly in the career part of your life, yeah. and that when you actually uh, kind of experience it, it's prob- and that can kind of make you quite rigid, I think, or it can make, actually make you build up expectations about what you should be doing or where you should be at, or have you got to the place where you should be at the time when you should yeah. be, which can make you very anxious. I think it can not necessarily lead you to doing what certainly in my experience lots of people experience is being yeah you kind of trust your gut you work with people mm. and you stay limber I mean particularly in a business like this there are lots of different jobs that you can do and there are lots of people you could meet that you end up or projects that you work on that could end up changing your life or your trajectory and that that you should kind of allow yourself to be you know a little bit loosey loosey goosey around that but actually that the, the, there are lots of people that you might meet that are going to show them Sue you know, it was a person I met who completely changed my, my life. So, and if I kind of go, well, I was doing this thing and I need to be here at this job title by this point, I don't think I would have had the uh, experience that I had. And I worry that, I worry yeah. that people worry hmm. something about this, something often these artificially imposed uh, deadlines. Um, yeah. So by the time I'm 30, I need to be X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because we were sort of making up this yeah. role, weren't we, really, yeah. back in the... Early years of this millennia, <laughs> which is, 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 and if you're making it up, if you make it all up, it's very hard to be disappointed by where you're at. True, it's true. Um, we, we were, yeah, we were, we were top of our field when we were exactly. making it up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, well, just on that, then, is it, yeah. how important is it to have a mentor or someone outside of your day to day that that will give you that advice that will give you that that pointer? Is it? Is yeah. that the key? Uh, I, I think there's definitely a part of that. I think... Um, we were day-to-day, actually. Yeah. So, so I, think, I think, you know, the mentoring thing is uh, having somebody that you can uh, talk to that's not in any way a kind of... Like, I think, obviously, I, I, you know, we had quite a sort of personal relationship as well as actually a kind of line management one. 
I think Sue described our department as an anarcho-syndicalist collective. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so any kind of hierarchical thing was, 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 was against principle. But yeah, I think having some mentor stuff is, is, is useful. Particularly, there are loads of things actually in this business that are skills which you never get taught. And you think, how, how are you meant to acquire these? Mm. Through some kind of osmosis. So, and we're probably a lot, more be- we're a lot, a lot better now at formally teaching some of those. But there's still loads and loads of things which are almost essential, really, for your kind of happiness and the way that you work with people that are uh, stuff that you will only pick up from people who've kind of been around the block a couple of times. Have you had a formal mentor? Uh, I would actually, no, I haven't had a formal mentor, no. but I'd say that you and Nick Lawson have been my mentors. You know, that's that's just the way it kind of works out. And then so your inspirations are, like, really broad, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. do you want to talk a bit about Well, my wider inspiration, yeah. cultural inspirations. Yeah. yeah, Well, the kind of people you admire that have done cool stuff that you would go, how do I bring that in? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, God, you've thrown me that because that's quite an expansive question. Okay. I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Music. <laughs> Matt, Matt is holding Literature. his hand. He's holding oh his hand. Oh my god! He, he, yeah. he, 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 I mean, Matt um, is also a musician. It's it's worth saying. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, we were talking. Quite I was talking about. So, so obviously, I was I was in a kind of uh, uh, I was in mourning for David Bowie. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason that I uh, I, mean, I was talking about this the other day, and, and and actually particularly in music, are people who've got a. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter whether they're brilliant musicians but they've got an idea about what the music that they want to make should sound like. And even though they don't actually have technical ability, they can sit in a room with musicians and they can communicate to that. And actually the musicians will make that stuff. And I was saying, David Bowie's amazing because he'd be sitting there with, with Luther Vandross and a bunch of, you know, ace soul backing singers. And he'd be explaining to them exactly. And they, and he was really stretching them. Now is David Bowie Luther Vandross? No. But actually, he has such a clear idea in his head of what he wants to hear that he can get it out and impose it on, and kind of express it to people. That's sounding a bit like a definition of a global chief strategy officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the be- biggest mistake you've made in your career? And conversely, what's the best decision you've ever made? Best decision, easy, uh, uh, working with her. Yeah. Um, Being uh, mistakes. I mean, I thought about this and I was like, oh, God. Uh, I mean, there's like, I mean... No, the first thing that bubbles up into your head is kind of stuff that you kind of screwed up on new business, you know. Um, any, any um, keep, well, keep it anonymous, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> keep it, some, some of them too, too recent and too raw, really. Uh, you know, the, uh, actually, the honest answer is I kind of, I'm a bit dog-like in my memory. And, and although I do think it's important to kind of take negative experiences on board and move on, um, I kind of don't really want to kind of, so you, I don't really want to look at that. Question. Don't want to look at that. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, back to back to former question. I'd start becoming uh, not optimistic, and I'd become pessimistic and cynical at the same time. So this is this is my favourite question actually from a- uh, ASD, <laughs> which is if you were a genie, which some say you are, Matt, um, because actually I could I could probably do this when I need you in the UK and you're you're off on a plane somewhere. So if you were a genie, what five objects would I put in my magic circle to summon you? Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, uh, I, to, to summon me, I think, uh, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd have, maybe, maybe you should have, um, back to the early one, David Bowie's Young Americans, um, probably a bottle of red wine. <laughs> um, let's see, what would I... <laughs> 
I, I can't think of what book. But actually, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Sings, it's, it's to, may, maybe a hard-bitten crime novel. Maybe a Raymond Chandler there as well. Yeah. And what's the fifth one? That's three. That's three. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I thought yeah. I did four. Can we, can we leave it at that? I'm going to struggle to <laughs> yeah, get to yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's all, that's all, yeah. that's all we'd need. Yeah. Well, moving on then, after living things, what are the three things that you would save from your house in the fire? So specific objects. I mean, I've got lots of, lots of things. Obviously, Sue's saying I'm kind of into music, so I, so I immediately think of my musical instruments. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Bass guitar, three. my lovely bass guitar. I'd love to take my bass guitar and, and a you know, lovely camera. I'd love to take my camera. And uh, I've got lots of photographs and uh, that came from the cameras. <laughs> and I would like to take those. But actually, you know, really, um, really, I'm I, I'm not really a very thingy person. So actually, I'd probably be able to, you know, I, I might, might have come back to my early days of kind of moving from house to house with my possessions in a shopping trolley. <laughs> That means I'm kind of quite unattached to things in in uh, in many ways. So actually, if it's replaceable, probably probably nothing apart from the living people. Um, uh, I I know some things about you, Matt, but um, there are things that, in generally speaking, of course, that that no one knows about you. Could you tell us? When you say no one, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure that, that that most what, people. What What would you like to share with us, Matt, that most people don't know about you? Uh, most people don't know about me um uh well i honestly I, this is kind of a difficult one because i suppose i'm i'm probably more of a blurter than i am a kind of a uh you know hiding my secret self you know and then uh, in a dog like way you forget it yeah yeah and then a dog like way. but you know i'm a, i'm a you know i'm a fairly uh, uh yeah i'm a fairly open book vegetarian you know uh, uh north london dwelling uh I don't know. I come from Leicester. Uh, I'm a vegetarian from a family of butchers. I feel like we took um, the, the porn know. thing. We took it away from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you took the porn thing yeah, away from yeah. me. Soft, uh, soft, 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 soft Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think I think that's probably uh, that's probably it. If, if you if you see me, offer me vegetarian food. Sure. Um, if you could change MediaCom in one way, what would it be? Oh, that's well. That's a really because the, the, one of the things about this is actually. Uh, uh, that it's a, that this is a kind of an interesting, never-ending gig, right? So you could say broadly, I want to change Mediacom to make it the best place for people to work everywhere in the world, blah, 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 blah. But that becomes an ever-shifting, ever-shifting, well, you know, you never get there. It's mm. kind of a destination that you kind of never achieve. So if I was going to change it in one way, oh, you know what? Um, and it, what is this a kind of magic genie type of thing? It's It's... How would you change it for the better? How would you? What would make you enjoy working here more? How would you make? Oh, it, what would make me enjoy working? It's how would more? you change MediaCom? Oh, okay, um, I don't know. Uh, I think um, uh, I don't know. I really, that's a really, really tricky thing. Probably, probably just less bullshit around giving people a bonus. There you go. That's a popular one, isn't <laughs> it? Um, but no, I think. Uh, I, I think, well, for a start off, I think there's a broader thing, right, which is, you know, my personal uh, um, obsession, which is I think we've developed, a, we've developed businesses in this set marketplace kind of over time, you know, bit by bit. Mm. We're kind of like some kind of Mervyn Peak, Gorman Gas-like castle with oh, like, like bits stuck on the side. And actually, it's a pretty kind of, we kind of made a quite weird place to 
create something which is meant to be kind of beautifully integrated and and actually if I could change something mm. it would be to move us in a direction where as people as people who work in different disciplines that actually that the if you like that the structure of the place mitigated for us actually working together a lot more mm. and, so it's, and, so it's almost as if integration was the easiest thing to do yeah because because it's yes exactly it was the path of least resistance yes, is to do that whereas rather than actually, something that's kind of feels like it's a uh, it's pushing your muscle muscles in a direction that they don't want to go. Because it's like we want you to be really, really expert at this and be brilliantly integrated. Is 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 like yeah. sort of running very fast at the same time as playing a trumpet or something. Exactly. So there is a bit. There's 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 a bit that actually, I'd like to kind of yeah. I'd like to create something that that, that made that, and you can see mm. that almost as a kind of an architectural thing. Well, and, I think and, you you have and, been uh, building things that so 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 you know, Matt and twenty twenty are you know that's that's your thing, but closely the, aligned. Yeah. And a lot of the design of it is intended for that reason, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's we're not there yet. No. Well, it's as you said, it's a constant. And as fast thing. as fast as you paddle in that direction, somebody's paddling off in another. Yeah. And you're kind of going, "Hey, hang on a second. When we all meant to be working together, and going, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to go and yeah. Uh, uh, build, but I, but build I a tiny business in. <laughs> I, re- I kind of really like what you said because one of the other things we used to say, as well as being an anarcho-syndicalist commune in terms of structure, was that <laughs> our job was to make ourselves redundant because yeah. what we were doing was trying yeah. all the time to make every, everybody brilliant. Yeah. And I guess that's mm. something that you kind of constantly trying to do as well. Just, yeah. just not right now. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, one of the things we do um, on the regular. Uh, is I've, I keep these cards on my desk. These are from the School of Life, which I started by oh, yeah. Tom. And they're 100 questions, carefully composed questions designed to help you start a conversation about you and your working life. Okay. Use them to, help, to sharpen your understanding of who you are and what you should be asking in the world at work. So if I ask you to um, pick one at random, some of them will get a bit dark or a bit deep. <laughs> Fingers so crossed then. Yeah, so you might avoid these questions as well. The thing that really holds me back in my work is... Oh, there you go. Uh, God, um, uh, uh, my powers of concentration. What distracts you then? What What is it? Uh, it was kind of a weird thing because in all of these things, I think actually I quite like being distracted because actually, it's, how do you find this kind of? On the one hand, I would like to be the kind of person who sat there for hour after hour in this kind of total. But at the same time. Uh, being a bit of a gadfly, being a bit of a butterfly, and actually kind of allowing things into your head is kind of part of the gig as well. It's mm. just, but I'm always, you always want the thing that you don't have. So I would like, actually, you know, it's I'm a easily, it's a balance. Yeah. But I mean, I'm probably more on the easily distracted side. So obviously, I envy people who've got the, yeah. But your curiosity is one of the things that makes you so great. So well, you just, wouldn't want to. This, this, this is why this is really interesting. It's an interesting, you know, we're not. We're not doing any kind of major brain surgery or life-saving stuff here. So actually one of the biggest kind of things that you should owe yourself is to find the stuff that's interesting in this job. Absolutely. Well, that's it, Matt. Thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Um, You can contact us on uh, connectedpodcastuk at gmail.com. What's your Twitter handle? At Sue At Sue You. I've changed mine after you gave me a bit of a... So I used to have a football... And now I've changed it to ASD, the brand, uh, half tongue in cheek. Um, was my boss used to, my, one of my former bosses, who was actually my mentor at a, a previous agency, used to walk past my desk every day and go, how's the brand today, dickhead? So, 
So it's, it's uh, partly in, in honour of, uh, of him. Um, so thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, see you. See you soon.